0: This is the WP Elevation Podcast, helping WordPress consultants elevate. G'day, Troy Dean here from WP Elevation and I'm very pleased to have with me here James Shremko from Sydney. Hey James, how are you?
1: Hey, good thanks Troy.
0: Thanks very much for joining us on the WP Elevation Podcast. For those of you that don't know, uh, James, well maybe I'll let him tell us what he does. What is it you actually do, James?
1: (laughs) Well, I've got a business called Superfast Business. And there's two main sides to that. One is I coach people on how to make more profit in their online business and the other side is we provide services such as website development and search engine optimization and these days a lot of content creation.
0: Great. Cool. All right. Well, I look forward to exploring more about that in a little while. Quick competition announcement. Uh, we're going to give away, uh, my business partner's going to kill me for this, but we're going to give away a lifetime license of the video user manuals plugin, which is uh, normally $24 a month. So stick around for details on how you can win a copy of that a little bit later on. All right. Before we start talking about all things internet and WordPress-ish, when you were a kid, James, what did you want to be when you grew up?
1: I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up. <laughs> that's, why, that's why I redirect my domain name to my about page because I, you know, it's, it's a long game, and we just, you know, this whole industry didn't even exist. What ten years ago? It wasn't even an option for me. I wasn't in the internet space. So who knows? <laughs> I I I like fast cars, and uh, um, I'm still interested in cars. Maybe that's that's the passion line that's followed through, but. Yeah I I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up. What about you?
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm still growing up, so you know. And <laughs> um, yeah, look, it's a good question. It's um yeah, it's a, it's a good answer too. I like the fact that you 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 didn't know because it's a constantly evolving thing, isn't it? Well, I've
1: got four kids and you know, I, I encourage them to follow whatever it is that excites them at the time. I don't force them all to go and be doctors or lawyers or solicitors. They're doing stuff like Horse riding and uh, being a lead guitarist in a rock band—they're doing cool stuff that wasn't really an option for me at the time. I was pushed into an accounting study stream because that was a good thing to do while I tried to figure out what I wanted to do later on. But you know, I think there's so many options these days—you can do whatever you want.
0: Yeah, someone someone once said to me, uh, "Work out what you love doing, and then find a way to pay the rent."
1: Yeah, and there's that classic Venn diagram in good to great, you know, the, the three things, if you can be good at it, uh, if, you can, if you can actually get paid for it, uh, and if you love it. They're the three things you want to have the, those circles overlapping in the middle. Whatever that is, is a good thing to point yourself towards.
0: Yeah, great advice. When did you discover the, the, the web and the internet? I sort of became aware of it because uh, at, at
1: the time I was selling Mercedes-Benz, so I was the general manager of a Mercedes-Benz store in Sydney and the state general manager was always talking about the threat of the Internet and um, I noticed the customers were coming in and getting very educated about it. I, mean, I first became aware of it in 1995 when I had a kid and I was looking up stuff on the Internet while I was mining his cradle. And uh, you know, I was looking up BMW spy shots and stuff, and alien abductions. You know, it was pretty interesting. Uh, I wasn't looking up stuff that you probably thought I was looking up, but it, it was fascinating to me to access this whole window of the world that was sort of new. It was very slow back then, and and I didn't actually reconnect with the internet for another ten years till 2005. Uh, when it really started to eat into businesses like my family's travel business, I noticed that um, customers weren't coming into the store, and they just started booking online. And uh, the you know the the travel industry is one of the earlier industries that really got its feet into the internet. And then, of course, um, you know, I was in one of the last bastions of uh, the car industry where people still want to drive a car, but all but the physical products. Um, started to slip to that online thing. And and the whole concept of being able to open up a, to a much broader market uh, really interested me. And I thought that it would be a good idea to learn how to build a website.
0: So you just touched on something interesting there. You were saying that customers were coming in and they were more educated. When did, when did you discover that education was a key to building an online business? Well, I think that the fact is
1: that, uh, you know, if you go back, a decade or two, there was a bit of a shortage of information. And now the amount of information out there is immense. And now we're in the attention age where everything you could ever dream of is like accessible via the keyboard on Wikipedia or you know. When I was a kid, we had encyclopedias in books, mm-hmm. like information was harder to get access to. Yeah. So there was this huge shift when the consumer took over a lot more power. Uh, now if you if you fuel that in in this day and age, we're in the attention age. If you can capture the attention of your prospect and educate them while they're going through that buying decision making process, it really builds a lot of trust and confidence in you uh, versus everyone else in the marketplace, and it does tip the scales in your favour. So. I have always been aware of it and, and you know, even back when I had a job and I was learning this internet marketing stuff, I was applying everything that I learnt at night you know, at 2 in the morning. I would then apply it to the dealership where I was responsible for the marketing and, uh, and you know, I inherited the website and we were doing stuff like landing pages for AMG vehicles and then we would set up a pay-per-click campaign landing people on that page for that model. With a call to action to test drive, but by offering these videos on uh, all about the model and getting people excited about it, and then asking them to do something, it was a classic sales funnel that uh, was hyper targeted, uh, very cost effective, and nobody else was doing it. Mm. Certainly not in Australia, uh, you know, back then. And I'm talking maybe about eight, eight or nine, about eight years ago, seven or eight years ago, I was doing this.
0: Yeah. There's still, you know, there's most people. A lot of people aren't doing it now, (laughs) right? Exactly, most people aren't doing it now.
1: Businesses in Australia still don't have a website.
0: Yeah. Uh, So,
1: you know, there's a there's a lot of market to to be gotten in the future. We're still only on the cusp of where it's going.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Moving forward to today, how do when when someone meets you for the first time, they say, James, what do you do? How do you answer that question in one sentence?
1: that's a difficult one for me to answer because I've grown so many different businesses. I, I would say at the core, I help business owners make a lot more profit uh, but I do that in various vehicles. Now, I, I have um, a few 7-figure businesses and quite a few 6-figure businesses that I tend to start and grow and then hang on to and I put a management team in place. So. Uh, although it's not much of a comparison, I would say that that I have more of a Richard Branson approach to business where I I, I sort of work out a formula or a recipe that works well and I can keep applying that to new segments or new products and have them be successful and then I just tend to hold on to them. So the umbrella company is going well and the fact is I'm not meeting that many people at a breakfast business meeting or that's not how I roll you know, I'm more likely to bump into someone at an event and more than likely I'd be speaking from uh, the event as an expert on a particular topic uh, of the organizer's choosing but I have quite a few specialties now whether it's website traffic, I mean our SVO business does well over a million dollars a year in sales uh, or web development where we have you know a solid team and we produce, I think we've built over 3,000 WordPress sites now uh, and then there's our um, Internet marketing community, which has uh, over a thousand members. So, you know, pick a topic. Yeah. yeah wow.
0: Um, we're going to talk a little bit more about this in detail in a moment. But before we get there, what, what do you spend most of your time actually doing day to day?
1: Most of my time is thinking about the business and creating a core piece of content. I, I have a KPI for myself, which is to create one piece of content per day. And to do uh, one exercise item per day, and to make sure that I get enough sleep and that I'm doing good work. So, generally, uh, I will be, you know, half the time I'm at home, half the time I'm traveling. So, I'll be, could be anywhere in the world. uh, But I will have, if I'm in travel mode, I'll have an iPad mini and a Road Smart mic and my laptop. And I'll be checking emails, answering forum posts uh, in my own community or discussing things with my team of managers uh, or creating a piece of content which would be a video or an audio. I don't tend to write. That's my least favorite mode. Uh, If I'm at home, then I'll have a whiteboard and uh, I might make batches of videos. I might create a course. I might um, go into the back end and look at all the analytics and start planning for next year. And then one day a week, I work with my customers. I have about 40 customers who are in my mastermind. And on uh, Tuesday actually, today is my customer day and I have three calls on Tuesdays and I go into the minds of 40 business owners and I rip and tear their business apart and rebuild it strong like mine and they pay me for that.
0: Wow, fascinating. Um, What's the one thing that keeps you awake at night apart from the four kids?
1: I sleep really well, you know, <laughs> I've,
0: I've, uh, I've ticked a lot of boxes on,
1: on what people would call their bucket list and yeah. I don't have any debt, I don't have any strained relationships or anything. I'm, I just uh, go to bed and my head hits that pillow and I'm gone. I, I, I don't wake up till I wake up. I don't have alarm clocks, I don't have to be anywhere and you know, I've designed my life around uh, having that as the goal. Wow,
0: that's awesome, that's inspiring. Uh, so what do you do when you're not working?
1: Surf, uh, ride a bike, walk, drink coffee, read a Kindle, listen to music, watch TV. I like movies uh, or travel. You know, I, I travel quite a bit. I've, I, I go overseas pretty much every month for a week or two.
0: Cool. Awesome. All right, let's talk about online business. Um, what was the first product you sold online, and how did the idea of actually selling a product online come about?
1: Right, so in my struggles to build a website,
0: I was really finding it difficult,
1: uh, a lot more difficult than than I thought it would be. I tried everything from that little built-in, uh, you know, with our hosting ISP, you get a free web page, and I tried some uh, WYSIWYG builders, and then I tried some. I think I downloaded Dreamweaver and and couldn't figure that out at all. Eventually, I found some software called Excite Pro, and I lashed out and paid the $198 and it was kind of like the last roll of the dice. Like if this doesn't work, I just don't think it's for me. And I built an example website with the software to learn all the functions and I thought it would be cool to put an affiliate link for that software in case someone else who was in the same situation as me stumbled across the site. And eventually I made a couple of sales usually just to someone like face to face like a dad at soccer. I'd convince them they need to be able to build a website and I'd literally ring them up and drag them to the website and <laughs> click on the order button, like assisted sales we call that. And uh, you know, finally, I, I got this thing where I could actually make a sale to someone on the internet and I kept a little uh, a note in Excel, just a few lines of all the modifications I made to the standard configuration and uh, I called this a cheat sheet. Because uh, every time I built a new site i 'd go and change the name of the CSS file, I would rename the images, I would uh, make sure it had a robot's text file, and I 'd put a full description and all this, all the this stuff because I was learning about SEO and, and uh, best practice back then, and I was able to get these things ranked and I was able to rank for the product name itself, and uh, eventually I made this thing a bonus. If someone bought through me, then they would get the cheat sheet. so I turned this uh, <laughs> maybe a dozen lines of text in Excel into a Word document which was all of about three pages and, uh, and then it sort of grew and, it, and in the end it ended up being about 150 or 200 pages of illustrations and do this and do that and I got quite a reputation as being the guy to buy this from and people started saying to me, hey, listen, I already have the software but I want to buy your cheat sheet where can I send the money? And I'm like, whoa, hang on a second. So I said, listen, send me $40 to PayPal and I'll send you the cheat sheet. And so I I did this and the next day I'd come home and then there'd be all these emails, hey, I want to buy the cheat sheet. Such and such said that if I send you money, I can buy it. And I registered the domain, I put up a sales page and I launched this thing in what's called the warrior forum as a special offer and i braced myself for all the criticism and all the negative feedback and people telling me that i, I how dare i sell something and um, the opposite happened i actually made $1000 a day in sales from this thing wow uh, and it, it just went it just went ballistic and, th- and that was the first sort of moment that i thought hang on a second if i could you know continue developing this or make things like this i could probably do this instead of going to work and uh, that was sort of the, the seed planted at the time.
0: Wow. Um, so the internet marketing space, teaching internet marketing, is a very crowded marketplace. And it seems like, for, for the uninitiated, it seems like everywhere you look, there's some guru or some expert teaching you about internet marketing. Two, two parts to this question, really. First of all, how do, you, how do you communicate your point of difference? And how do you kind of elevate yourself above the, you know, the kind of tarnished image and reputation that a lot of the internet marketing scene has?
1: Well, I don't hang out in internet marketing communities so much. Um, like, I don't visit the Warrior Forum for example because I think uh, deliberate filtering of where you put your attention is going to get you, uh, you know, the the marketing that you deserve. The other thing is that I've continually served people for, well, since, since 2006 probably. I just looked after people over and over and over again and now people talk about me uh, in a good way when I'm not even there. So I will get mentioned in Facebook groups, I will get uh, referred to by people. um, People are uh, attracted to me so I call this pull marketing instead of push marketing. You don't need to have, uh, I don't need to go and rent a Lamborghini and take a picture beside it and run (laughs) Facebook ads to get business. you know, it's, I, I'm repelled by that. I think it's disgusting and cheesy and vile and disingenuous and it lacks integrity. So, really, it's like that uh, Gandhi quote, you know, like be the change that you want to see. I've just been out there um, doing the best that I can, creating good products and good services. And I've put them into a community of my own called Fast Web Formula. And uh, people are attracted to that via word of mouth or or they know me for, or they're on my email list which is uh, mostly generated from content marketing and that's probably worth talking about, mm-hmm. is by not doing all the stuff that everyone else does.
0: I'm going to talk about content marketing in a minute and but I think you've just segued really nicely into my next question which is your your images and your visuals on your sales pages are very different from a lot of the others that I've seen and that we all see in this internet marketing space. That's a deliberate choice, right?
1: Definitely deliberate. Like uh, everything we do is um, putting out a message. You know, it's like Facebook. Uh, you, you see a lot of people curating the heck out of their Facebook to present just that certain uh, image. Uh, I, I don't like the hypey, cheesy, vile marketing style, you know, rented Lamborghinis and all the rest of it. Um, you don't need to market like that. To, so, yes. Coming from Mercedes-Benz and BMW uh, and Vodafone, I learned how strong the brand is. I would often interview someone and say, why do you want to work here? And they say, because it's Mercedes-Benz. And that tells me something, you know, that, that three-pointed star is a very strong brand. And I've worked hard to make my uh, brands or my product names very strong in the minds of my audience. And I definitely have a certain look and feel uh, about my websites that is different and people do remark on it. In fact, probably every single day someone will ask me uh, how we create the graphics for our posts. One of our standard operating procedures is that every single post has a unique image that reflects the the message or the tone or the style of that particular content. And that's a really important content marketing strategy is to uh, it, it opens up a lot of doors for you. You can now utilize things like Pinterest and Facebook. So since Facebook uh, and Pinterest and the Internet in general are very design driven and be, because uh, people respond to design, you know, that pictures worth a thousand words, you can tap into that and it's a choice to do that. Or you can just get schmucky old stock shots, you know, the old shaking hand thing. And I hope you don't have one of those on your site. But, you know, I just want to vomit when I see that picture because it's so ordinary, it's so mediocre. And, you know, you can choose whether you want to to be mediocre or whether you want to do something at the next level. So we have designers in my team full time who just design, they make logos, they make images. Um, if I make a piece of content today, which I will, then they could illustrate that and have it live tomorrow. And that's that's the speed of implementation and it's a, it's a unique image that no one has ever seen before and it's going to stand out because of that.
0: Yeah, that's great. Let's talk about content marketing. Um, content marketing and thought leadership are these terms that get bandied around left, right and center and I don't think many people actually understand what they mean. How important do you think it is? How important do you think content marketing is and how important do you think it is to actually have an original opinion about your topic when you are producing content? Well, I don't like the phrase thought leaders, that's very wonky
1: uh, as we'd say <laughs> in Australia. Like, I don't like th- uh, thought leaders who call themselves thought leaders. Yeah, uh, It seems a bit contrived. So. Look, I don't know with content marketing, for me, it's just being myself. It's just broadcasting my thoughts and opinions and I don't mind saying exactly what I think even if it's not popular sometimes but also giving credit where it's due uh, when people do things that are good. There's a big sort of buzz on curation and reporting, taking other people's stuff and just putting a spin on it and that's certainly viable. Uh, Sites like Huffington Post have really proven that model. You don't have to have original stuff. You've just got to be able to uh, research and curate and find interesting things and present it in your way. Uh, so that's certainly viable. In my case, I really like creating original content. I like to put uh, ideas out there. Um, one of the big differentiators for me versus most internet marketing people is that I've run a $100 million a year business successfully, and most of them have not. A lot of them started. You know, there's a lot of 50 year old dudes sitting in their basement at their mum's place making 20 bucks a month, (laughs) putting out info products. You don't really want to learn from those guys. You know, like they're not going to teach you anything. So I like to come out with some big topics, some big ideas, and to um, actually really want to help people because the more that I can step people up with what they're doing now, the more they appreciate it. They have gratitude for where it came. But also they tend to reinvest back into my products and services. So it's pretty much the primary marketing channel that I have now. I don't need to do launches. I don't need to spend a lot of money on ads. I don't have to have affiliates. I basically just have a content marketing uh, juggernaut that is feeding multi-millions through my businesses just from mostly from just one initiative and uh, it's very effective.
0: And how do you know about your product? How do you know whether or not a product's going to succeed? Like, how do you know, okay, this is a good idea. I'm going to put some resources into this and make this product. How do you know it's not just going to fall off the back of the boat and sink?
1: Because someone will pay you for it before you even create it. It's very easy to do that. Uh, Even on a basic level, a workshop. Like people will pay for the ticket before the workshops run. A lot of people think, oh, you can't get paid before the product but that just shows you how easy that is. Mm. Uh, It's like the cheat sheet. I had people pestering in my inbox to buy the cheat sheet before uh, they knew that it was up on a sales page. So it's so much easier to work with existing demand and to supply things that people are asking for. Uh, So, in our case, we'll go to our help desk and we'll have a look at all the questions people are asking and they'll give us big clues as to what people really want. It it shows us the pain points and where the problems are. And people continually ask me for uh, products and services. Many of them I have to say no to but if I get enough pressure, if there's enough build up there and and I feel that, that the market wants it, then I will create it. But almost all the things I create now are a reaction to... An existing demand. Oh, I'm, not, I'm not walking around with the greatest ideas thinking that, that I'm gonna be an inventor.
0: Yeah, so, so for someone who's starting out, if you say, you know, the workshop's a great example, you put up a sales page, you sell some tickets to a workshop, what happens if you only sell five tickets? What do you do? Because like, I, I know we have conversations all the time with our, our members, the fear is that they won't get critical mass. What happen, what, what's, the, what's the tactical approach if you only sell five tickets and the thing fails? Well, you
1: could either run it with five people and have a small workshop and reframe it, uh, or you just refund the five people their money back and let them know that uh, that there's been a logistic situation that uh, the workshop's no longer going ahead. I mean, it happens all the time, even for huge, sold out record artists who have a croaky voice and they can't perform and they cancel entire concerts. You know, with God knows how many people, twenty thousand people. It's not a big deal. I think most of the time it's an excuse not to have to put up the sales page and face that rejection or possibility that you yep. might fail.
0: Yeah. Um, all right, lead capture. How important is lead capture? Uh, you might want some
1: context there, do you mean uh, <laughs> okay, so prospects I, or sorry.
0: buyers or how, what? How important, is ca- how important is capturing leads from your website into a, some kind of database where you can then nurture those relationships?
1: Well, I think it depends on the results you want. Uh, you know, for, for quite a few years, I didn't really bother with that, uh, which sounds shocking. I haven't ever really focused on building a huge list. I focused on building a database of buyers. So, you know, I was buying, I was basically adding people who'd just purchased two hundred dollars software to my list, and I only focused on the buyers. So, from my first thousand customers, I was able to make hundred thousand dollars. And i and I say customers. Now, you can get a lot of opt-ins for free stuff but only a percentage of them will convert into buyers at some point so probably it's not actually the most important thing. The most important thing is to focus on having an offer that's very compelling and that people want to buy and work on your sales conversions ratio first and certainly capture people who aren't ready to buy yet uh, but the interesting stat that I have on my sites and uh, one of the greatest test cases I did on this was I released a product called Traffic Grab which sold uh, nearly 3,000 copies and I did not have an opt-in on that site. I didn't have an opt-in, I didn't name squeeze, I gave away about 2 hours of free content and it had a series of 5 pages people could go through, they could watch the whole video or they could click through to the next anytime. It had player controls, no squeeze, it all the things everyone says don't do And the interesting stat is that uh, I I can't remember exactly but about a quarter of the people purchased after a month and more than uh, I think half the traffic to that site was repeat traffic. So if you create good stuff that is going to be around for a while and that people keep commenting on and keep talking about, uh, if your site's a high repeat visit rate, like uh, my super fast business site, 65% of the traffic is repeat traffic, 65%. It's not absolutely critical to have an opt-in in that scenario, but I will say if you can and you can put together a nice training course or something, you should definitely have that. Uh, for most sites, it's a good idea to capture opt-ins, but I would I would say that it's been overhyped a little bit, and you should focus on having a list of buyers who actually pay money for things. And even if there's a little tripwire. Uh, my my friend Ryan Dice talks about having a tripwire, you know, like a dollar purchase or a seven dollar mm. purchase. That list is the list that you really want. Uh, and, and I've tested this as well. I've had free giveaways versus charging twenty dollars for things, mm. and the end conversions was almost identical. Yep. Uh, even though I had a lot more volume on the giveaway. Now maybe my marketing, uh, you know, isn't as effective as it could be, and and we can always improve. But I'm collecting currently very close to a 1,000 opt-ins a month, and that's enough for me to fuel my business to, to have continued growth. So you don't need a lot of opt-ins, uh, and it's maybe not the first goal that people should have. So, sure. so, so you know, maybe that's a different answer than what you expected. No, no, no.
0: no well, the, the, the thing is, I see, so I see a lot of websites, I mean, I speak at some uh, conferences, particularly in the accounting and finance industry, and no, no one there is collecting leads. So one of the things I always talk about is collecting leads, but on the back of that, I think the takeaway I'm getting from this is there's no point collecting leads if you're not consistently putting out good content and keeping that relationship going and positioning yourself as a trusted source of information.
1: Basically, from when we get a customer like that in our web development company, the first thing we'll do is ask them to put their phone number on the top right of the site, yeah, right. and above all, that's like... That would be like by far the best return on investment they could ever do yep. is to actually let someone call them. Yep. Because usually they've had some web developer convince them that they need to have someone fill out all these forms on a, and, uh, you know, 27 fields. <laughs> they want like a DNA sample and a blood type. <laughs> and then they'll, then they'll get an email, which they'll ignore anyway. Yeah. Like just put a freaking phone number and let people <laughs> call you. And that's what I do on my side. And I've done that for the whole time. People have been able to just pick up the phone and actually call me from my website. And that is the highest converting path. That is what most people should be doing. And if you speak to any decent e-commerce store, I bet you that at least a third of their sales will be to phone number sales.
0: Yep. And it feels like there's been this huge push to use technology and use automated marketing and all these systems and all these tools. And in sort of the last 12 months, there's been this kind of turn left into actually hang on let's stop automating this let's use technology to help us but let's actually pick up the telephone and get on Skype and have real conversations with customers and I've heard a lot of people kind of freaking out going what you want me to pick up the phone and talk to customers because they think that the technology is just going to do it all for them
1: yeah try sending them a handwritten note and see the impact you'll get from that I mean This is not a surprise. This is what I was doing when I was selling cars. It's what's happened in other industries like the food industry. You know, all the rage was these genetically this and that and uh, super grains and blah, blah, blah. Now, people will pay a premium for something that hasn't been interfered with. (laughs) You know, like... I reckon we'll go back to someone dropping bread and milk off to our front door one day.
0: (laughs) Well, Aussie farmers direct—it's already happening. (laughs) Yeah,
1: that's right. You can actually get a fresh box of fruit dropped to your door, and that's how it will go. There's no question about it. And and, um, you know, I learnt this again from the Mercedes dealership. As much as we wanted to muck around with the technology and the website and everything else, there was nothing that beat the direct salesperson speaking to someone who walked in the door trying to buy what you sell. Mm. So. If you can actually make it easy for someone to communicate, you. And another one that I'm really passionate about is this um, nonsense of companies putting no reply at on their emails when they broadcast, when they they say blast, which I forbid in my company, mm. but they blast customers with some. Cheesy HTML template that doesn't render in any email client that I've ever used, Mm. and then they have no reply at. Like, you want to hit reply and say, Hey, by the way, you know, your link's broken, and then it says, You know, this is unmanned. Go here. I'm like, Forget it. You don't, you just don't want to profit. You want to die. Yeah. So, if you could actually change your email address to reply at or put a little PS, I personally respond to emails then someone who actually wants to buy something might be able to contact you easily and you might actually make a sale and that's worked really well for me. Uh, So I guess my main message is uh, and it's coming through I guess in a few of your questions is you don't have to do everything that all these people tell you to do and most of them I think are 100% wrong and they're not getting the results. Uh, They're probably getting a 4% open rate on their emails and most likely they won't be around to tell you anything in two to three years from now because they'll be down uh, pushing shopping trolleys around the local supermarket.
0: <laughs> Great advice. All right, let's, let's zip through the elevation round. Um, from one very successful consultant, where our WP Elevation is our business accelerator program for WordPress consultants, so here's some quick advice for our consultants. Quick question, quick answer off the top of your head. What's the number one thing any freelancer needs to know?
1: Pretty confident in yourself.
0: Awesome. What's the best thing you've ever done to find new customers?
1: Podcasting.
0: How do you stop competing on price?
1: Don't start competing on price.
0: Yes. Never about price. Awesome response. Any tips on writing better proposals?
1: Listen to the words your customers use when they ask you questions, especially from your support line.
0: Favourite tool or system for CRM?
1: I use Office Autopilot, which allows me to send automated follow-ups when someone visits a page on my site but doesn't take an action. It can go on check. And then send uh, hey, are you still interested in a blah, blah, blah email?
0: What's the best way to keep a project and a client on track?
1: Focus on it.
0: Nice one. Any ideas for getting referrals?
1: Ask the people who you've already looked after. Uh, who else they know that you could help?
0: And what's the number one thing you can do to differentiate yourself?
1: Don't do what everyone else does. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, golden, golden answers. Um, just before we wrap up, what's the future for James Tremko? What are you going to be doing over the next two or three years?
1: Well, like I said, I'm not sure what I want to be when I grow up. I imagine I'll continue to refine my businesses, uh, to simplify things, to get really um, focused on On my core uh, to develop my uh, unique abilities and um, to to let go of things that are nagging on the edges. You know, just to get simpler and and more effective at what I'm doing, so that I can help more people and uh, and feel better about the work that I'm doing. I want to do good work.
0: Nice. Uh, The thing that's coming through with this whole. Uh, episode for me is that there's a certain sincerity and genuineness about what it is you do and that you actually really enjoy helping people get results and that breeds trust.
1: 100%.
0: That's why why the guy
1: hired me to run his dealership. He said I had integrity.
0: Yeah, great. Um, all right, quick uh, details on the competition, leave a comment under this video and tell me the number one nugget, the number one takeaway that you've learned from this uh, WP Elevation podcast episode with James Shremko, and i might get James to swing by in a week's time and award the winner, and then we'll give you a prize. How's that sound?
1: Sounds good. I'm wondering, um, when your business partner kills you, will you be televising that? Because I think that would make compelling viewing.
0: <laughs> it would. It'd be a great piece of content, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, All right. Where can people reach out to say thanks, James?
1: Go over to superfastbusiness.com, have a look at all those custom pictures and join my training course and you'll see how I put out that content.
0: Awesome. And finally, who would you like me to try and interview and why?
1: I think you should interview someone who inspires you, who has something super valuable that you're very keen to learn. And you should do that because having a show is the perfect vehicle for that.
0: Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Andrew Warner from Mixergy, I'm coming to get you. <laughs> yeah, he's a slippery fish. <laughs> All right, well, I'm going to do, I'm going to do my darnest to get Andrew Warner from Mixergy on the show because I listen to the Mixergy podcast. I'm a Mixergy premium member, and I really like what he's doing. So I'm going to try and nail him to the floor for half an hour and get him on the, on the podcast. Hey, James, thank you very much for spending some time with us on the podcast. I really appreciate it, and I wish you all the best with all of your endeavors and, uh, and you know, all, all, all the best for the future. Thanks, Troy. Thanks, mate. Cheers.